I believe that what we do as women in the privacy of our own minds is the single greatest determinant of our lives. I'm Emma Title, and you are listening to the Women Today podcast, where we are unpacking and investigating the new female psychology. I am a psychotherapist, coach, and teacher who is passionate about women's internal and external freedoms. You are in the right place if you want to hear in-depth stories about women's lives. On this show, we dig deep into the minds and hearts of women to understand what it really takes to heal, to grow, and to experience psychological freedom so that we can create lives of authenticity, fulfillment, and contribution. This is a place to receive nourishment, inspiration, and guidance as we continue to show up for the complexity and nuance of our lives as women. I'm so glad that you're here, and let's get started with today's episode. Hi, and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the podcast. It's a beautiful, sunny morning here in Boulder, and I am going to be talking today about ways for us to handle conflict in our personal lives. I feel like the intensity in the world is really at an all-time high right now, And the stress of pandemic life, political situations, environmental situations are really taking a tremendous toll. And I am witnessing firsthand that this added stress load is really coming down hard on people in our personal relationships, whether that's in our marriages, our partnerships, our relationship with our kids, close friends, extended family, colleagues, whatever it might be, because everybody is in a joint heightened collective state of stress all at once, things that may have been more easily resolved in the past or that could kind of, you know, roll off our backs or things like that are actually getting, are getting us more gripped more frequently and As a result, there's just more material coming to the surface. And I think it's so critical that we have tools and resources for how to meet these personal and relational struggles more effectively because it can make all the difference between being able to get relief, get repair, get support in our most important relationships or increasing our stress load because we feel on bad terms or hypervigilant or afraid about what our loved ones are feeling toward us or we are carrying resentments or holding unresolved things against or in relationship toward our most beloved people. And that is such a stressful state to live in. So I'm going to be walking you through some ideas today based on my work as a therapist and also my own life and how I'm handling the increased stressors in my relationships right now. Because believe me, I am definitely in way more challenging, tricky, complex conversations and relationships all at once than I've ever been in in my life before. So that that says a lot. And I want to first just name that It can be really terrifying to need to have a direct or confrontational conversation with someone that we love because what it does is it kicks up all of our deepest 
feelings, concerns, needs around, are we loved? Are we safe? Do we belong? Are we going to be cared for? Are we being considered? Do we matter? And these questions are universal. We all want to belong. We all want to know that we matter and that our experiences are going to be cared for or considered by the people that are most important to us. And we all want to feel that there's reciprocity in our relationships. So when that gets threatened in any way right now, and that could be threatened because the logistics of life are just way too hard to sort out because of all of the worldly stressors, or that could be because we don't feel understood by somebody or we're having a hard time understanding why somebody is behaving or acting in the ways that they are. Whatever it might be, this stress is very real and it's very pervasive. So sometimes we like to think that we can compartmentalize like, oh, I'm having a lot of stress with my husband or wife, but I can still go about my work or my child rearing or my other responsibilities in a day-to-day way. But the truth is when we feel any level of disrepair or fear or anxiety or threat, in our most intimate relationships, it affects the other areas of our lives and it affects our functioning. It affects our ability to focus. It affects our ability to feel confident and capable of meeting challenges outside of relationships in the world. And it really takes a toll. So that's why I wanted to address this today because from my perspective, taking care of, cleaning up, clearing out, residue, build up resentments that have been in the way of our relationships is really one of the most important things that we can give our attention to in our lives as women, because it will have such a profound ripple effect into the other areas of our lives. So the first thing I want to talk about is the concept of leading with empathy. So I think that You know, Brene Brown, many of you have probably have heard of her work. And we just, I think as a, as a human species, um, need to really honor and appreciate Brene Brown for her work and the timeliness of her work in the world in this point in human history, because her research and her unique ability to put language, digestible, kind of universal human language to these things that we go through and that we all struggle with has really affected and changed the conversation for the better from my perspective. And she talks and writes a lot about empathy. And I think the first thing that we need to all wrap our minds around is that whenever we are feeling angry, hurt, upset, disappointed, whatever it might be with somebody in our lives, It is okay, it is normal, it is human. And if we're gonna try to repair and come to a better understanding and place of mutual respect with other human beings, we must be committed to empathy at the highest level in our hearts and in our process. And that doesn't mean that we can't get angry. I think angry is a very healthy, normal human response, but how we handle it is a different story. It doesn't mean that we can't have expectations or get disappointed. Those are all really important things, especially for us as women, acknowledging what's true for us when it's there and not sweeping it under the rug. But if we're going to get to the other side through any challenging conversation, we've got to start with empathy. 
So I was recently in a very complex and challenging situation with a few folks, and I actually proposed that before we got into talking about any of the challenges that we were in, we did a little exercise where we specifically started to name with each other, there were three of us there, ways that we had empathy for and what it was like to imagine ourselves in that other person's shoes. So I went first and I talked to one person and I said, when I imagine myself in your shoes, these are the things that I'm holding in my heart around your experience, around your pain, around your unique journey and relationship to all of this challenging material that we're in. And then I did the same thing with the other person who was there. And then the next person went and she expressed to me what she imagined when she was in my shoes and then what she imagined when she was in the other person's shoes. And we went through this until every person had gone. And it was an incredibly powerful exercise. I was actually blown away by how much it dropped all three of us into a profound space of tenderness and mutual care and respect and understanding before we even got into the challenging things that we needed to talk about. And so I want to offer this as an exercise. You know, if you're in a conflict with one person or multiple people that you can either do this with them, or if that doesn't feel like an option on the menu because of how that relationship is or the level of um, intimacy or, you know, joint commitment to this sort of work, you can do it inside yourself So before you enter that challenging conversation with someone, just spend some time either writing or thinking or contemplating, like truly, if I were in this other person's shoes, what would I be feeling? Where would my places of vulnerability be? Where would I feel tender? Where would I feel challenged? Where would I feel upset? And that simple act of getting outside of ourselves and being committed at the highest level to Imagining and understanding another person's reality is a great way to prime our hearts, to prime our brains for resolution or a hard conversation going a lot better. So that's the first thing is leading with empathy. And then the second piece is owning our parts. So similarly to the empathy exercise, you could do this either in the privacy of your own mind or in relationship to other another person or multiple people. But before you get into any of the, well, this is what I feel. Well, that's what I feel. Well, you did this. Well, I did that. You know, any of that tit for tat or working through the details, which can be an important part of resolving conflict. Before you go to any of that hot button material, really owning your own part. So that means spending time to reflect on what is your role? How have you contributed to the challenging situation? What are your shadow materials or your uh, wounded parts or your trauma history or your other experiences in your biography that you're bringing to the table that might be impacting or affecting your ability to resolve this issue from a more clear-headed, objective, mutually caring place. And so, again, depending on the circumstance you're in, you might just do that privately. Is like because one of one of the beautiful things is when we own our own 
material, so to speak, our own darkness, our own patterns, our own shadow, our own less than ideal parts. It frees up the other people who are relating to us to not feel like they have to call us out on it. Because if we're like, hey, here I am and here are my weaknesses, here are my limitations, here are the parts where I'm still growing. If we know that, then the other people relating to us are going to feel so much relief because they're like, oh, you know that. And so if you know that and I know that, then we can share it together instead of me having to drill into you and make sure you know that because it doesn't feel fair to me on the other end. So if you do that either with the other person directly or inside yourself, either way, there's going to be a really positive ripple effect because you're taking more responsibility and ownership for yourself. And then the third step is to create an intention. So all of this is before you launch into the hard details. Okay. So it's creating an intention and you can do this again, personally inside of yourself or with the other people or person you're relating to. And it might be something like my intention is to listen deeply and really have a deeper understanding of this other person's perspective or it might be I, my intention is to feel more connected or more loving, or my intention is to feel more joyful and lighthearted together at the end of this conversation. Whatever it might be, but taking that time, it's even better if you can do it with the other person or people. But if that's not available, then do it for yourself because then that's like a little bit of a guiding principle for you as you navigate your way through the challenging conversation. And then the fourth step, the fourth idea, which is similar to creating an an intention but different, is spending some time contacting the higher vision or the higher, some people say the higher self. I like to say the wise mind, um, which is a concept that comes from Buddhism. And just to be clear, this isn't about spiritual bypassing where we we think that we should be loving we think that we should be all light we think that we should be you know eternally kind that's not based in human reality we have a much wider spectrum as humans and that's normal and appropriate so contacting the higher vision or the higher self or the wise mind or the aspirational self is just about making some contact with that desire that you hold in your heart for, you know, the utmost integrity or for holding deep human respect or holding the situation with tremendous regard and wholeness, whatever it might be, you know, like one thing that I work with is I really don't want to live my life making other people or myself right or wrong. I find it painful I embrace and I know that it's a very normal part of what we do as humans when we feel threatened, but ultimately I don't feel that it really leads to a deeper place of resolution and completion when there's conflict. I am much more committed to empathy. I'm much more committed to healing. I'm much more committed to people talking across difference and coming to mutual understanding and healing and relief more than right and wrong. So for me, when I'm entering hard conversations, I'm really working with that higher vision of what is, you know, that quote, like, let's meet out in the field beyond right doing and wrong doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's meet there 
out in the field beyond right and wrong? And what else is out in that field that I want to take a stand for that I want to uphold in myself? Um, you might have other higher visions like not wanting to judge yourself or others or not wanting to speak poorly about people who are not there. Whatever is important to you, but taking time to contact that space for yourself and if it's possible doing that with another person. So before we get into any of the hot button stuff, there's that mutual shared respect or at least inside yourself like foundation for how you want to enter and lead this conversation. And all of these things are resourcing activities. So I'll just repeat them again before I get into how to handle the content. So it's leading with empathy, owning your part, spending time on creating a personal intention or a joint intention, and then spending time contacting the higher vision or the wise mind, again, either personally or with the other people involved. And once you've done all of that, that is a tremendous amount of foundation that you're laying. And then from there, you can enter into the actual material that has caused the challenge in the first place. And so once you enter that dialogue, the first thing that I want to encourage is prioritizing curiosity. So noticing where you might want to shame or blame or think that you have an accurate perception of the situation and the other person doesn't. And instead of doing those things, can you prioritize curiosity as much as possible? And the ways that we demonstrate that we're prioritizing curiosity are through question asking, through true listening, where we're actually hearing and receiving the person's perspective as opposed to waiting for our turn to speak or proving the other person wrong. And that's more of like a debate format. But really being curious about yourself and being curious about the other people or person involved. And then the second thing to hold in mind is using the tool of calling pauses. And this is something that I learned from my years studying trauma and trauma therapy is that when we are in tough situations with people and we start talking about them, it's easy for the situation to escalate because there's a lot of vulnerability, there's a lot of feelings. And one of the ways we know that escalation is happening is if the conversation gets faster, if people's voices start getting raised, if tones start shifting, if people are not able to remain curious, if there is more of that shaming and blaming, a lot of crying or emotionality. None of these things are wrong, but when it starts to get to a certain place of escalation, it actually becomes almost impossible to remain curious and more damage could be done if we don't slow down the process. And so that's where the art of the pause comes in. And pausing is something that any of us can do or can ask other people to do. And all you have to say is, hold on a moment. Can we slow down? I'm feeling really overwhelmed and I just, I, I need a break for a moment. And so that can be needing to step outside, taking a breath of fresh air, saying we're going to come back to this tonight, 
It could mean we're staying in the same room, but we're just taking five deep breaths together, whatever it might mean, but creating some kind of interruption in the escalation so that each party can collect themselves, so that each party can refocus. And again, if you're just doing this inside yourself and it's not a shared experience, so that you can refocus on your intentions your ownership of your own material, your empathy, all of those things to re-resource and re-ground yourself so that you can enter the conversation from a different place. Another tool to use when you're in the throes of the actual content is reflective listening, which is incredibly powerful. I use it a lot in couples work or family therapy, and I use it a lot in my own marriage and my own friendships, which is I want to make sure I'm understanding you. Can I repeat back to you what I'm hearing to make sure that I've got it? And so you actually can do this both ways and repeat back. Like, I'm hearing that you feel sad when I do this behavior. And you try to keep it as factual and as accurate to what you have heard the person say as possible, even if you have feelings or reactions about what the person has shared but that simple act of repeating back gives a huge opportunity for somebody to feel heard and understood. And then it also gives a huge opportunity to the listener to make sure they got it right. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in you know situations where we're using reflective listening and the person will say, okay, you got 90% of it, but you didn't get this part and this part feels really important to me. And it's amazing how much relief it can provide for the person who's trying to be understood to really know that they've been gotten. And on the receiving end, when someone repeats things back to me that I've said that they're hearing, it helps me to clarify what I'm actually saying. And it gives me so much relief to know that that person is invested in actually getting my world, even if they botch it up. It's like, I'm okay if you botch it up because if you're willing for us to keep going until you really get me, then I feel trust and I feel love and I feel respected. And that matters so much to me and to all of us as human beings. So as you've used these tools of prioritizing curiosity, pausing, reflective listening, hopefully that is helping you to work through the misunderstandings or the conflicts And then as you're moving toward more resolution, there are three steps that are also really helpful, which are requests. And so that would be like saying to someone, what do you need from me moving forward? Or saying to someone, like, so asking them, what, what, what can I do so that this doesn't happen again? What are your requests if we face this situation again? And then also making requests. So what I need from you moving forward to know that you've heard me, that you care about me here, that like this matters, I need you to do X, Y, Z. So requests are really, really important. And they need to go both ways. Like all of all of this stuff is about how we do this together. But if you're relating to somebody who maybe doesn't have as many skills as you or they're newer to the personal growth and development space or um, they're just not as interested, you might need to take leadership. And that's why I'm making this podcast is to support you to take leadership 
in your relationships and being the role model for a more mature, higher way of functioning so that you can get better results in terms of resolution and repair. Oftentimes, and we don't want to come down like heavy handed on our loved ones. Like I've figured out how to do conflict and and you haven't. It's more that if we model these very basic things of empathy, curiosity, um, making requests, it actually invites other people in our lives into those ways of relating as well. So requests is a great tool in terms of resolution and agreements are a great tool. So agreements are basically like based on everything that we've learned and gone through together around this challenge, moving forward, what are we agreeing to in this relationship? Are we agreeing to um, speaking up before resentments start building? If we're concerned about something related to this material, are we agreeing to doing a better job of not blaming each other? Are we agreeing that you're going to take the trash out on Sunday and I'm not going to have to ask you for that and I'm going to do the laundry on Monday and I'm not going to get angry about having to do that? You know, these are, they may seem like silly examples, but I think all of us know that even the smallest perceptions of disrespect or lack of regard for one another over time, especially with people we live with or close friends or family can really accumulate into pretty deep and intense feelings of mistrust or lack of safety or love. And and that really erodes a relationship over time. So what are we agreeing to? And then next steps. So agreements and next steps might be similar, but they could also be different. So what are the next steps? Do you have, am I walking away with three actionable items that I need to do to correct and and help move this challenge along? Are you walking away with those? Are we um, committing to behavior changes? And if we are committing to behavior changes, maybe there are next steps we need support with around those behavior changes. Is the next step getting help from an outside party because like a therapist or a coach because we can't do this ourselves? Is the next step scheduling a follow-up conversation in a week to see how we're doing? But next step is a little bit more of like a concrete action potentially, whereas agreements are more like um, defined as like what, what we are agreeing to in terms of how we behave and treat each other moving forward around this complex material. So I'm just going to name all of the steps again, cause there's like three parts. So before you go into the content, it's leading with empathy, owning your part, setting intentions and contacting the higher vision or the wise mind. When you enter the challenging material, it's prioritizing curiosity, pausing, using reflective listening. And then as you're coming to resolutions and repairs, it's making requests, coming up with agreements and clarifying next steps. All of these things, all of these ideas, all of these suggestions come straight out of my own life my own experiences of relating to people and also my own work as a therapist and a coach and helping hundreds and hundreds of people to deal with these kinds of challenging places in their relationships. So I hope these reminders and pointers are helpful. 
of course, take what works and you can feel free to leave the rest as always. And I just want you to know that I'm sending you tremendous support and care and empathy for all of the challenges that you're facing inside yourself, with the world, in your most intimate relationships. It is an intense time. It is a powerful time right now. And the way that we navigate our personal relationships and our personal conflicts matters so much. And if we saw people in high, high positions of worldly power using these skills, we would be in a completely different situation right now. And I believe that in my heart so deeply. And so we don't need to wait for people in perceived big positions of power to do this. We as women have the power to lead from within. We have the power to lead in our relationships, in our communities, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our homes. And it is empowering to lead this way. Um, I found it incredibly empowering in my life. I've watched countless women feel transform into feeling way more empowered in their lives. And I, I wholeheartedly believe in these tools. So I wish you all the best in practicing and utilizing the ones that feel intriguing to you. And I'll look forward to connecting in our next podcast. Okay. Take really good care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Today podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and take a moment to leave a rating and a review. The more five-star ratings this podcast gets, the more easily women around the world will be able to access this valuable information. Remember, we each have our unique role to play in this collective uprising for women all over the world. Whoever you are and wherever you find yourself in this moment, there is a deep intelligence to your particular place in the wider web, and we need the specific experiences, insights, and gifts that only you carry. I am sending you my heartfelt strength and support for wherever you are on the journey, and I'll look forward to connecting again next week.